Hey, look at this. This is familiar. I got a friend who gave me a Fitbit watch and said, if you walk five miles, it's 10,000 steps. Mine's reading a million, million, million steps. I just got off the wagon train. I thought I'd come in and share with you some words of wisdom and encourage you on your journey because today we're going to be talking about pilgrims and pioneers. Also, we're talking about that thing called postmodernism. I tell you something else. I tell you, uh, but I hope I give you some words to encourage you, and the words will help you t- saddle your worries and ride them up to heaven. We've got uh, lots going on, but uh, I want to share with you, uh, coming from out west, coming uh, over to this part of the country, it's spectacular out here, so I'm glad you meet you folks, and we'll have dinner afterwards. I'm free. By the way, if any of you got a picture, you can take for Sandy, because she's not here with me. But you, she won't see this garb. So, <laughs> hopefully you can get up here. Well, listen, I got a question for you. I'm going to start off here. You know, we don't have a chance to go to school like some of the kids do. So, we had to take our books. But, you know, before I left, I, I read this book, and it's appropriate... And I wanted to know if you guys know what the first novel written in English was. Anybody know what the first novel written in English? Well, you're probably thinking about this guy. Say, what, me? I don't know what that is. I know what the first novel written in English. Anybody want to take a guess? Okay, okay, you don't guess. The Pilgrim's Progress. Here you go. You read that book, have you? Most people haven't. But I did right before I came. Do you know what the original title of that book was before we got out here? This is the title. It's a pilgrim's progress from this world to that which is to come. Written in 1678. Well, in there you got a story about a man named Christian. And that's what I is. I is a Christian. You Christian? I hope you're a Christian. But there's a lot of good wisdom in this book. Because it talks about the journey that people take to deal with the stuff inside and the stuff outside. It's a journey about finding out Jesus Christ and who he is and what he can do about both worlds, inside and out. But it's talking about the world to come. But I'm talking a little bit about pioneer. Now here's another question for you. Anybody know what a pioneer is? What does that word mean? Well, pioneer is a foot soldier. How about that? Prepares a way for the army. It's a French word, comes from the word pioneer, means foot soldier, from the old uh, word back to that chess game where we had the word pawn. That word pawn comes from the pioneer. Well, it's a person who goes first or does something first. He's a pioneer. Now, one of the characteristics about a pioneer is one who opens the way for others. We go before others, people go through there. And so we've gone through the hassle bush. Well, just regular thorn bush, I guess. Whatever the, We didn't know what the hassle bush was, but we went through them. And one who walks with other people in a company. Because a hermit is somebody who goes by himself. A lone ranger out there on the horse. But a pioneer usually has friends. And he goes in a company of people. And he clears the way. He clears the way of all the obstacles. One who repairs the road when there's... Water rushes in water and washes out the road. Pioneers prepare the way for others. Well, how about the word pilgrim? You know what the word pilgrim means? 
never thought about the word pilgrim. But see, if, if you don't go to school, you've got to school yourself. So that's what I was, I was doing on the way. I was schooling. It comes from the word pilgrim. Pilgrim is a 1,200-year-old word from the 12th century. Old French, peregrine, which means per, beyond, and country or land, field, agri is where they get that from. Pilgrim means from another land. It's a foreigner. It's a stranger. In Italian, it's a peregrino. Peregrino from peregre, which means from abroad. And that's where we get these birds. You see the peregrine falcons. I've seen them around here. You see them everywhere. But they're, they fly all over different places. And so you see them everywhere, but they're from different. But the characteristics of a pilgrim, the characteristics of a pilgrim is one who's going from one land to another. He's journeying from a foreign land. One who travels by foot to some significant place. One who moves from one spiritual state to another. Or one who's seeking to put roots down in another land. Well, when you think about it, here's another question for you. I asked all my colleagues on the trail. I said, hey, do you guys, do you guys know who was the first pilgrim or pioneer mentioned in the Bible? A lot of answers. Go ahead and yell it out there. Who? Abraham, that's one. He's a pioneer, pilgrim. Anybody else? Before Abraham? Adam was a pioneer. He got out of his country, didn't he? Left that. Now heaven's a foreign country for a lot of people. And we're in the wrong country. How about others? Okay, I got a question for you. How did Abraham learn to be a pioneer? He learned it from his daddy. Did you know that? His daddy... It says in, in uh, Acts, it says, uh, Hear me, brethren and father. This is the book of Acts. Did anybody read the book of Acts here? Yeah, okay. Well, it's in chapter 7. It says, The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia. And before he lived, lived in Haran, that was in the Ur of the Chaldees. And so his daddy lived in Mesopotamia, and he said to his daddy named Terah, Terah was his name. He says, leave your country and your relatives. And so dad says, goodbye, son. You're going to go out and start nations, huh? He says, yeah. I'm going to go into the land that I'm going to show you. And so Abraham had this place. He's going to be the first one out there. And boy, he was a real pioneer, let me tell you. Now, the advantages of being a pilgrim pioneer is the thing about the pilgrim like me is you get to be active all the time. You use your Fitbit a lot. You cut down... Hassle bushes and other kind of bushes. But uh, you have to be participating. It's, it's a real work. And so you, uh, you create your reality. In many, many ways, you advance towards a goal that you're going to go for. But a pilgrim, he's aware because he's got his feet on the ground. Now, I don't know if you guys go walking, but walking is a slow Slow event, you know what I mean? But as you walk, you kind of notice things. Like, oh, look at this. Oh, pioneers with God. All things are possible. Well, that's true. And when you walk, you notice things. If you're in a car, zoom, you don't notice anything. Kind of like speed reading. Zoom. You don't read much in the Bible. You've got to slow down. Well, another advantage of a pilgrim is that as you increase your awareness you begin to learn things. My grandpappy said, yeah, I'll learn you. I'll learn you. 
Now, I'll, I'll learn on my own, but I learn as you walk along. You notice things and you pick things up, but you're listening to God. And then what happens is that you learn where your heart goes and your affections. You pay attention to what's going on inside. Well, that's what you do when you walk, especially when you walk with God down a lonely, dusty road. And then you begin to realize who's in front of you. God's got a plan for us. He's got a destiny for us, and he's calling us to get over there. And what happens is you begin to realize you're on a journey, a journey to accomplish God's mission. Now, that's what a pilgrim is all about. Those are characteristics of a pilgrim. But do you know what the opposite is? The disadvantage is if you're not a pilgrim, if you're not a pioneer, what happens is you are active. You're not passive. You're active but you're moving in the dad burn wrong direction. And therefore, you create an alternative reality than that which God's got for you. If you are a non-pilgrim, you retreat from God's plan, and you try to recreate using your own resources, but you can't, you don't have a whole lot of resources. And let me tell you on the trail, you need all the resources you got. Your awareness is reduced because you don't hear God. And your ears get dull and you start to drift off. That's why when Luke, our brother Luke says, when you put that hand to the plow, keep both hands on the plow, but don't lose your hand. Why? Because when you lose your hand, you lose your focus. And so if you start losing the focus on your plow, you start to teal off and that whole field becomes a mess. So he says you've got to keep focus by keeping your hand on the plow, keep straight forward, but you don't have your hand on the plow, you're going to lose that awareness of what, where God's leading you. You get distracted. And therefore, when you forget to hear God, you forget to discern what's good and bad. And therefore, you get off. Well, you know that. But you ever been lost in the wilderness? I have. And that's what happens if you morally get off the good book. You forget the way, and you start to have these things called doubts. And doubts will penetrate your brain and make it hotter than a, a sun, sunshine walk in July, I tell you. Because you start to forget things, and you forget God, and you forget what you're all about. You don't have any insight except keep that foot going forward, step by step. Make it through the right now, because that's all that matters, is just getting through today. If you're not a pilgrim with a vision, you're going to be stuck in a lot of pain. Well, that's what we talked about, having this angst. That burn it. Why did I get into this mess in the first place? And you meet people like that, and they start to argue with God. Don't be a non-pilgrim. Be a pilgrim. By the way, there's another guy. You've heard of uh, that first novel that was ever written that was Pilgrim's Progress. Do you know there's another man who wrote another book about a pilgrim? Kind of, but not the same way. It's called The Pilgrim's Regress. This was also this guy, our brother... Clive, uh, Clive C.S. Lewis, he wrote this book called The Pilgrim's Regress, and it was his first novel. It was his first one he wrote. It was about his journey into the philosophical world of his day and age. Well, people got lost because they left the plow. Well, okay, now here's another question for you. I got lots of questions. Uh, now, when the Israelites... They, they were pilgrims, too. You forgot to mention Moses. You didn't mention Moses or Joshua. Lots of pilgrims back there. 
But when the Israelites were taken out of Egypt and they traveled through the promised land, where was the first place they landed? What was the first settlement, you could say? I mean, they camped along the way, but where did they stop for a while, for a long while? Anybody know? So you might be thinking, hey, where, do you know where the Israelites landed? If you don't know, throw up your hands like this. If you do know, say, I don't know. Probably like that. Okay. Well, here's, here's a place. In Hosea, Brother Hosea, called Joseph or something. Hosea, uh, he said, out of Egypt, uh, when, I, when Israel was a youth, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. Hosea 11.1. 1. Well, when he called him out of Egypt, guess where he put him? He put him right here in this place called Shiloh. Shiloh? Did you know Shiloh? Of course, you hear, hear, in a, hear in a, about the Appalachians, you hear about Shiloh. But do you know Shiloh was the first place the Israels uh, settled down? Because in that place, the whole congregation of Israel assembled together and they set up the tent of meeting. Now, I know about tents, but my tent doesn't look anything like their tents. But this was the worship tent. And they had the first worship of God right there in Shiloh. Now, where on earth is Shiloh? Well, it's over there in Israel. It's where it is. But it's north of Jerusalem. Now, that's, that's interesting to me. Because as I think back as a modern man, they missed the boat. They went right past Jerusalem. But the point was, Jerusalem wasn't even established yet. So Shiloh became the headquarters for a while. It was north there of Jerusalem. And there's a lot of work done in the Old Testament. If you want to read that, go back in the Old Testament. They read it about Elijah, Eli. Those guys are back there. But if you don't have a map, you're going to miss the point. And we got a map. You know what that map is? It's the Bible. The Bibles are a map for the kingdom. And so in that Bible, we're going to find out about what we're doing here in the Midwest is we're out there doing some church planting. And so as a pioneer, we're out trying to set up pioneers. Now, I mentioned that there's a lot of pioneers. You mentioned one. Look at this, our friend Abraham. God told Abraham in the book, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. God knows where he wants Abraham. God knows where he wants you. And he says, Abraham, you follow me and I'll bless you. I'll bless you. I'll bless your family. I'll make you a great nation. And everybody's going to get on your case. I'm going to take care of them for you. That was Abraham. He knew that. But you know what? Abraham walked by faith. He was called a friend of God. But you know, he died. And it says he died in faith. He didn't get into the promised land. Didn't make it there. But his kids did. But he says he made it without receiving the promise, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance, those promises and confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. That's what you and I are, strangers and exiles. Well, the story goes on. Go back to Genesis. It's a good story. You had to be self-taught to read it, but you can read it. And then comes across our brother Mo. Now Mo, Moses, Moses, he, uh, he too... Uh, understood about this God who's got a plan for him. He says, therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people out of the sons of Israel out of Egypt. You know, God doesn't want us to get off the path. And he wants us to get back on path. So he sends us these men like Abraham and Moses. And then 
Moses kicks a bucket. And who takes over the bucket? Joshua. Joshua. Now Moses, my servant, is dead. Now that's pretty factual. The guy's not here. He says, now, now Joshua, cross this Jordan, you and all his people, to the land which I'm given to you and to the sons of Israel. And every place in which the sole of your foot treads. Now remember, I talked about walking step by step. Joshua was very much aware of the fact that he was in enemy territory. And it wasn't his land, but God says, I'm going to give it to you. And so if you read about the fights and adventures in Joshua, man, go back in the book of Joshua because it's, it's an adventure that you just can't miss. But all those guys, and I don't have time to go into all of them because we'd be here till midnight or later, but they all talk about this guy, Jesus the Christ. And so Jesus, it says in John, one of the disciples, he says, I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Now, Jesus was a pilgrim. Jesus was a pioneer. He left the territory of heaven and came down into our territory, and then he went down to the cross. His journey was a fascinating journey that if you don't know what Jesus did on that journey, you're on the wrong path. But Jesus went to a cross, and on that journey of the cross, he lost his father. And he says, Father, Father, where are you? And because Jesus went through that gap, he covered that space, and he filled in everything that I need to know to bring me back so that I never lose the father. That Jesus was a pilgrim. And who pointed him out? Another pilgrim. John the Baptist. Boy, talk about a wild guy. He was out there in the wilderness. And he didn't have any of the REI equipment. But he said, uh, are you, uh, who are you, John? The people would ask him. He says, are you the one? Uh, he said, no, I'm not the one. But I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. That wilderness, if you've ever been in the wilderness, you don't want to be there very long. You want to get out of there. But John said, make straight. Make straight. And I, I like straight. Because these hills and valleys are rough to get over. But John says, make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. Well, you see, all this is happening because of this thing. With God, all things are possible. God's doing a whole bunch of stuff. And he did it through a bunch of people that you wouldn't think went to rabbinical school. They were all self-taught or taught by the Lord himself. They're called disciples. And these disciples get out there. You know one guy in particular, he had to be taught a lot by the Lord. His name is Peter. And Peter, he said the same thing that uh, Abraham talked about being aliens and exiles. And so Peter said, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts, which wage war against your soul. Keep your behavior excellent among all those nations, Gentile people you are out there walking through. Well, there's Peter, and there's John. There's another guy named Paul. Now, I like Paul. He's a, he's a guy that, he's right for my heart, because he, he didn't put up with a lot of rules anymore. He was in the religious system for a long time. He says, I'm done with that. Now he's into a relationship. So Paul, Paul was the one who wrote to the group of Romans over there. He says, don't be conformed to the culture you live in. Don't be conformed to the world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now that's a good word for us. Your mind needs to be renewed, he says over there in uh, what's chapter, one, two, three, four, chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. He says, but 
Renew your mind so that you can prove what the will of God is. That's our map. Well, you see, all I'm saying about this is, this is our history. If you don't know our history, you won't understand what's going on today. But the church in the book of Acts, and we'll talk about that next time we get together, but the book, the book of Acts is a book of pilgrims. It's a book of pilgrims and pioneers. Because the Holy Spirit came upon that group of people, and they were going to create a brand new reality. Now that's what a pioneer does. Creates a whole new reality. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I belong to this group called American Baptist. Anybody know anything about American Baptist? Uh, well, this is our history. Uh, I'm going to give you just another thing. Do you know it was the American Baptist who was quite influential in getting the Bill of Rights into play? Did you know that? How many knew that? How many didn't know that? It was the American Baptists who were credited for they went through, read through, they read through the Constitution. Go back and study your history. Because it was the American Baptists who ensured that the freedom for religion was in the Bill of Rights and in the Constitution. The American Baptists fought for that. Well, here's another one. Have you read this book? You know this guy, David McCulloch? He's a historian. And he wrote this book on the pioneers. And somehow that's, that word keeps sticking in my mind today. So he said, it was David McCulloch's idea, that there was one Christian, one pioneer, who was very influential here in Ohio. Do you know who that was? He was influential in getting this Northwest Territory going. Now the 13 colonies, they were over there. And, uh, but this one man had this idea that this Northwest place, there were five states. Indiana, Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, and uh, Illinois. But there was one guy who brought this all about, and his name was Manasseh. That's a good Old Testament name. Manasseh. And he was a theologian, and a doctor, and a lawyer. He's a pretty smart guy. Well, he was the one that went to Congress and convinced those guys, Madison and the boys, to say, hey, this is a good deal over here, except we're going to go out to the Northwest and expand the territory, except we're going to do three things. So first of all, he says, we want to fight for the freedom for religion. Well, that's what the American Baptists already got going. So they said, we're going to do that. And so he did that. He said, we also want to make sure that education was free. Can you believe that today? Man, all the debt students owe today. They, it was Manasseh says, free education. Therefore, in the Midwest, we have these things called state universities, like Ohio, the Ohio State, and Michigan State, and all this, Illinois State, and all these state colleges came from Manasseh. He was a smart guy. And the third thing he said is, the Constitution says all men are created equal. But everybody who wrote the Constitution had slaves. Not out here. The Northwest says no slavery. Everybody's free. That's because of the Christian had this message to set them free. That's what Manasseh did. There's another guy you might know about. A famous guy, Adoniram. Another good Old Testament. Adoniram Judson. Anybody here, Ad? Oh, Addy? Yeah, he was the guy who went over to Burma. Not only was he in a witness here in the States, but to the uttermost parts of the world, he translated the Burmese language and brought a whole lot of the Burmese people to Christ, to the ends of the earth. That's what he had learned from the other guys. Well, these guys are all about a journey. 
And it brings me to this place here. Look at this place. Look around you. 200 years. Golly. God's been doing a lot here. A lot here. And like you said, Ryan, the people have been faithful through the time in this journey. And you too are continuing on as pilgrims and pioneers. That's what this is all about. That's why we're celebrating this vacation Bible school. Well, we are people with a biblical call to follow Christ. And that following Christ means a couple of things. It means there's a journey that we all take. And that journey is into the very heart of God our Father. That heart says, I love you. I love you. I love you. And I won't stop loving you. And because he wants us to know, he impresses it so much that he gave his only begotten son. That we would know how much God is in love with it. Well, we need to learn about the Lord and learn how to reflect that heart of love and grace and forgiveness that's ours. And so we study the book and we journey into who Jesus Christ really is. Because he is Lord, he is Savior, and he's much more. But you can't get there without the Holy Spirit guiding you on the journey. And therefore, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's the Spirit of truth. And when he comes, he's going to tell you the truth about who I am. It's not a philosophical truth or intellectual. It's about the truth, the way Jesus feels about you and me. Because that's the role of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, as the writer of Hebrews said, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, all these pilgrims before us, they're all watching us. Since they are, are witnessing us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance that race which is set before us, who, by fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Do you know some versions say Jesus is the pioneer of our faith? Because he's the first one for us all. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he has sat down at the right hand of the Father. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. It's all there. It's all there. And indeed, if you're a pilgrim, as it goes back on into, in chapter 11, if you have been thinking about that country which they went out from, if you're thinking about the old home, homestead, you won't be thinking about heaven. But they did. They would have the opportunity to return if they thought there was a back door. But as it is, they desire a better country. They desire a better country that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed. You need to hear that. God is not ashamed of you. God is not ashamed of me. And when we get home, he's going to welcome us with a big pot of beans or something. I don't know, but we're, our, our tra trails will be over but he will welcome us with big arms. He's not ashamed to be called our God because he has prepared a city for us. Well, okay, that's all about pilgrims and, and, and pioneers, but I, I had that one word in there called uh, postmodern. Uh, I don't want to bore you with this, except that those people on a postmodern journey, boy, they're really messed up because it's a reaction to the intellectual assumptions and all the values that we've come to have in our country in the West. They've thrown it all out the window and says, it doesn't matter anymore. Forget the Bible. 
Forget the truth. Just do what you want because you're on your own. Make your own journey. And what they believe is this. History, the past, becomes irrelevant. Experience becomes dominant. Your dialogue becomes an argument. And faith, well, faith becomes unimportant for a lot of those folks. So they can't even answer that one because they don't know how to answer the question of faith, but we do. And that's why my brother Leonard Sweet, he got tired of church, he got tired of religion, and he, he wrote this book called Postmodern Pilgrim. And what he found there is not about religion, it's not about rules and rituals, it's not about cultural institutions, it's just about the friendship with Jesus. Because if you don't have Jesus walking before you, you're on your own. Well, we are very much in need now of Christian pioneers. Are you a Christian pioneer? Are you a Christian pilgrim? This means people who are zealous to grow and exercise their dominion of that kingdom of Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus came as a forerunner for us, so that we would understand how to follow him in all the trails of life. And that's what we want to do. Fix our eyes on Christ. And as we do so, he'll make sure we get home. Well, that's enough for me today. I hope these words encourage you. I hope you keep faithful on your pilgrim trail. And I hope you understand that you don't have to walk alone any longer. You put your faith in Jesus. Settle up your worries and he'll ride them up to heaven. And he'll give you the peace. Passes understanding. That's a good word for you. Okay, I got to go.